you know, I got up there just earlier at an impulse from the Spirit and my son is on his face in the front and I'm like, God is a God of generations, isn't he? I'm so privileged to have my own parents at the back today who I inherited a rich faith from and uh, my parents-in-law, Vivian, uh, Wendy over there that, well, I mean, my kids, let's be straight up, uh, they have like this unusual advantage. Now, some of you are like, my kids don't have that yet, unless you make it. At some point, each of us make a choice to be a people that dwell with the Lord who dwells with us. That says enough is enough. The line is in the sand. Me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Um, And you might build great bridges and buildings. You might make incredible policies. You might do something that blows other people away, but when you see those you lead, whether natural or spiritual children, follow the Lord, there's no greater joy. And it's important to realize that God has that exact joy for us as a father who looks upon his children. That's like, come to me, follow me, you can trust me. I've talked about this for a million years, and because I uh, these days largely pop in and out, I pretty much am like on repeat I love when I read Paul and he's like, I know you know this, but I want to remind you. I actually feel that's my role. I know you know what I'm going to tell you this morning, but I think you might need some reminding. I I mean, I hear people go, I've read that before. I'm like, like, I've read this before and it seems that every time I open it, I'm like, oh, man, I know I'm a work in progress. How did I miss that? God's work continues to work on me because whew, I'm his son, but I have so far to go. And that's not a negative statement. It's a statement of faith. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with you yet. If you think he was done with you a year after you came to Christ, then can I tell you, he's not done with you yet. He's only just beginning. And maybe you're 30 or 40 years down the track in your faith, and you you have a sense with, well, when I was in my 20s, or when I was in my 30s, or when I was in my 40s, or maybe you're in your 20s, and you're like, well, when I'm in my 30s, and when I'm in my 40s, then I can do something great for God. Can I tell you, we have a God who chooses to dwell with us that we might dwell with Him. And the people that dwell in Him are a confident people. The people that dwell in Him are not a people that look at their past and become the victims of their own and others' sins, but are people that know who they are in Christ. That they know that even when they do fail in the flesh, or even when they pray a prayer, as Paul did, and he does not seem to answer, he can say, In this unanswered prayer, I know that His grace is sufficient. I know that He's with me. That's why I actually love the phrase rather than, I I know I'm Pendy, and we're like, we pray that the Lord would come. And and then I, I felt this time, I'm like, stop asking Him to come and acknowledge He's with you. Start acting like He's away from you and start realizing He's never left you. You left Him. See, the issue with being present or dwelling with a person is not always an issue of physical proximity. It's an issue of attention. 
I sat down on the way uh, here on the plane, and it was a packed plane, and I, I think we just had dodgy people trying to put the seats in, and I sat down. Joel had been sat like somewhere else in the plane, and I don't know if you ever sat with people you don't know on long flights, and I don't know, it just feels awkward initially, and you're like, do I talk to them? What if, if I talk to them, will it look even weird? It's like... I'm a 40-year-old guy these days, and there's this, like, 20-something-year-old girl, and I'm like, eh, it's, if it's creepy if I don't break the, the ice, or if it's creepy if I do break the ice. And so for 11 hours, it was a long flight, I did not break the ice. Uh, you know, you, you focus, and you're like, video screen. You know, in your head, you're like, there's 14 hours of this thing, I can fit in, like, Six movies at least. I didn't watch that. I drifted off mainly. But, you know, it was interesting. When I turned to her and I started talking to her, I find out that she's uh, living in just north of Tari. I find she's a midwife. I found out all... She was eager to talk. I was not previously. It was amazing how my tension, I can't speak for her, but was relieved when I became present with her. You know, so often we're walking life, and sure, God's with us. He dwells with us, but are we dwelling with Him? The Holy Spirit is not departed. He's not distant from you. They are statements of truth. But sometimes we don't know the God who is I am that is with us. We don't know the God really, and we might know Him. We might be saved but we feel at a distance from Him. We feel intimidated by the journey ahead. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank You that Your Word is good. And so this morning, we choose to lean in to Your Word. We choose that our minds might be uh, renewed, that we would not conform to the ways of this world, but rather we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, we pray that we would not be a people that are a doings, although that is the overflow of the beans, but rather we would be a people that know your presence in every day, that we would know the God who is I am that is with us. In your precious name, amen. Just a second. It's supposed to open with my face, but yeah, it works. Booyah. Uh, if you don't know me, by the way, I probably should introduce myself, shouldn't I? Um, I'm Josh, uh, obviously one of the leaders of Divergent Global. Myself and my wife originally planted what is now uh, this area. And we've got the privilege now, really, of just walking with people in the, our Divergent Global sense, just walking with people as they step out. And do you know what? I love how fruit happens naturally without forcing it. I love the fact that when we catch up on a divergent global, slowly people are being connected in, slowly people are being sent out. And so there's people that consider divergent their home now that are in that are in Japan and in Indonesia and Tunisia and Turkey and across the world increasingly and even in like in Queanbeyan, um, across the border. It's a, God, God's a God of miracles, isn't he? Like even... even um, we have the privilege of working with amazing people that just love the Lord. I mean, we get to do what we do in Turkey and the Middle East, and we've got Syrian church, by the way. Uh, that's part of our family of churches. Um, 
and we got good friends that are sort of informally divergent now in, in Iraq, and we get to do this together. But the reason we get to do this together is because we're a people that are comfortable with being a divergent people. And I don't mean this as a brand. The kingdom of God is a divergent kingdom. It's a different. We, and here's my biggest, without getting on a rant, and I'm going to get to my text, here's my biggest concern about the next 10 years in the Australian church. Uh, we are going to desire to be accepted so much by the world, we'll look exactly like it. We need to be so confident in the fact that God is with us, with us, defines us and leads us, that when we are hated as He was hated for the right reasons, I know some of us can be knobs. It's true, like I've probably been hated for bad reasons. Like We've got to choose, like be hated for good reasons, be hated for bad reasons. Like let's go be hated for good reasons. We will not survive this period unless you are anchored in who He is. When His identity is the only identity that matters. When your ethnicity, culture, background, sexuality, none of this matters because at the end of the day we submit everything of who we are to who Christ is. And we become a home where every nation, tribe, and tongue, where every brokenness and broken person can find home as we follow Christ together. This is a revolutionary message, but it comes out of the very nature of God, who in the very beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, said, where are you? He walked in the garden with them and he wanted to dwell with them and that they would dwell with him. Moses is charged, we're in Exodus, and Moses is charged with delivering the Lord's people from slavery or uh, co-laboring, you could say, with the Lord in delivering his people from slavery. And Moses responds with this, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, we're in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 3, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you uh, that uh, it is I who have sent you. When you have the, uh, brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. You know, many times uh, I've read through portions of the text and we get really obsessed with the land of Egypt and the promises of uh, Israel and the boundaries and all this sort of stuff. And we actually forget the purpose God delivered His people. And you will worship me on that mountain. And on that mountain at Sinai, he gives the Ten Commandments. And we often read over this and we view it just as ten laws. But in, in the giving of the law in that moment, he, this is the marriage covenant between Israel and her husband. In uh, Acts, sorry, Exodus 8.1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Moses has started going to Pharaoh, and he says, The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and tell him this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they may worship me. Exodus chapter 9, verse uh, 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and tell him this is what the Lord, Yahweh, is used here, the personal name of God. The, the God of the Hebrews says, Let my people go so they may worship me. 
repetitively, when God is delivering his people, the purpose is to make his dwelling with them and their dwelling with him. This has always been the charter and the character of God. Always. Now, I can get a bit obsessed with the conquering part of this and the the coming against the pagans and the, the slaughtering and the hardcore stuff and trying to pull it apart. But if we miss the point that the Pers- uh, the, the person of the Holy Spirit, the passion of God, is that His people would be with Him and they with, be with Him and that, you know, you get the thing. We're wasting our time. See, coming to church, if you come here to sing a couple songs, listen to do preach or a lady preach and leave with a couple life principles, we'll soon run you dry. Sure, you might have better business, might have better family, but you won't dwell with Him. God has so much more for you than things you're called to do. He has a place of dwelling where everything you do do comes from the overflow of everything He has declared you to be. He builds the tabernacle that He might meet them there. Often we, as said, speak of the Exodus, we think of place. I was in uh, Iraq uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with the fam and we're hanging with friends and we're talking actually about the problems in ethnicity and culture and politics. If you ever come to the Middle East, if you really want complex politics, I mean, every move has like the worst counter. And uh, particularly northern Iraq is a Kurdish context. And we were talking about the difficulties culturally and politically and religiously in the context. And he was like, we have to understand that this place defines them. They feel Kurdish here. And I was like, see, for me, I'm not very attached to place. I, I've moved a lot in my life. I guess I feel Aussie, but I'm not that Aussie. Like, I, I like I am. It, for some people that are not Aussie, they're like, yeah, you're like crazy Aussie. Like, I'm listening to you. Um, I went to Maroolan and it was like Australia Day thing. And I'm walking around, I'm like, I feel so out of place. You ever have that feeling where you feel out of place? And because you feel out of place, you don't feel like you, there's something wrong. See, God creates a place for Israel, not that he might focus on a political entity, but that he might meet with them there and they with him. We're called to dwell with him. Deuteronomy 6.23 says, But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised to us on oath to our ancestors. He brought his people out from slavery And this is going to be a simple message in one sense this morning. He pursued them in the place of their slavery that they might be sons and daughters as he has always done from the very beginning. And so the same journey continues. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in verse 14. And he dwelt among them. The Word became flesh, and he dwelt among them, and they behold, or they beheld. You know, the whole point of everything we do 
is to welcome people back into the Father's house, that they might be close to Him and He with them. It might sound like a trite statement sometimes, welcome home, but this is something we need to grab. We're not talking about building houses. We're not talking about achieving things, but welcoming people into our lives. And do you know what I actually think is the more wealthy we become, the more protective of the stuff we become. Like we got more than ever and we keep people further away. I am humbled every time I walk into, we've, we've got five million uh, refugees in Turkey uh, we oversight and we disciple a, a Syrian church. And when I go, I recently was went with Danielle and I, I went to someone's house and they have so very little and yet so very generous. You ever feel like that you've got like, oh, God is speaking in this moment. Oh, shame be upon you, Josh. Like, I'm worrying about my status and I've got people that are like, hey, I the Lord discovered me and I discovered the Lord. You're like, oh, reminder, what am I doing? But they welcome you home and then they nearly get upset when you decide not to stay the night. We went out to friends and they're in eastern Turkey. They're Kurdish and we stayed for four days and then they complained we didn't stay for a month. Like normally in our culture, we're like, cool, uh, you can clock in at about 7.30. I've got work in the morning at 9. Um, I'm going to be generous. It'd be great if you were gone by 10.30. Like, I mean, we don't say it, but we want them to leave it in the state. I mean, we, we get really protective of our place and our state. And I mean, we're not all like this. Don't, some people here are like, nah, it's not like me, but you know people like it. You know, because you walk in the house and you're like, now kids, don't touch anything. We will lose our relationship with this family if anything happens, you, you actually lose your calm and you lose your place, you lose your state. And God is not like that. And it, Do you know why we know God is not like that? Because there's an awful lot of messed up people here. There's an awful lot of people here, including me, that sometimes make mistakes. And it's like I break the jar in his house and he's like, would have been nice if you didn't, but we can get past that. I'm serious. Like, so often we're so concerned about our brokenness that we never dwell with him. We're like tiptoeing around like, and he's like, dude, just in kitchen, open the, you know those people that you've met them for the first time and they're like, oh, this is the kitchen, this is the fridge, um, I'll be back in half hour, feed yourself. Yeah, you, you know some people like that? I've, you're like, initially you're like, they leave, I've literally walked into people's houses and I'm like, They've actually left. Like, I don't even know them. And I'm like, fair enough. And then I actually have a conundrum as to what I can take, what I shouldn't. As a matter of fact, when I met the Straw family, uh, I used to go to their house, and uh, Ange and I, if you don't know my wife, we can talk <coughs> for a long time. We've always said my mum was like, I never thought I could meet someone who could talk more than you, Josh. But... And I would sit there, and the Straw family have amazing hospitality, by the way. I've learned a great deal uh, in, in that area. Uh, and they would be like, do you want something to eat? And I'd be starving. And I'd be like, no. Like four hours later, because we used to talk a lot, I would still not be hungry, although I was. It actually took me a long time, by the way, to not just give hospitality, but accept hospitality. 
See, this is what the Lord does for us. Some of us are sitting here, and you, you know the Lord has invited you in, but you're sitting at a distance going, no, nah, I'm not hungry. No, nah, I'm good. No, no, I don't want, no, I don't want to impose on you, Lord. Like you're starving, you're going without, and he's like, hey, I've got this stuff for you. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want to impose. Like surely someone else needs it more than me. Like that sounds proper, doesn't it? Like it sounds self-effacing in a sense. Like, But the Lord's like, hey, I own the cattle on a thousand hill. I'm happy to give you a steak. Like bring it on. Like this is an attitude issue. You will never dwell with the Lord until you have a revelation and an understanding of His generosity. That He he loves you and He's got a place for you and this place makes a position before Him where you can discover who you really are. Oh, get locked out again. We have a God who tells us that we are His chosen and special people. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent, by the way, of not individualizing too much of Scripture. I think one of the biggest mistakes the uh, Protestant Reformation did for the church, and I understand why, because it was in reaction to the Roman Catholic Church, was individualize faith in the face of over-corporatized or over-authoritative faith, if you get what I mean. We're from one extreme where you were told what to believe, how to believe, what to do, to the opposite where, like, we've, like, commercialized faith now in the West. We're like, everybody gets a piece, you can make your mind up, and when you've made up your mind, write a book. But in the middle here somewhere is a place where we find our place in family. And in Ephesians 2.6, actually, I, I dropped this in. I was praying, actually, for Jack this morning. And I had this text just pop up in my spirit. And it was for Jack, but I want you to hear it as well this morning. It says, but because of his great love, God, who is rich. Not prosperity. He's rich in mercy. Sometimes I have been like, oh, I, but God, do you really want to? And he's like, you are my son. Do not think I want to give this to you. Just ask. You know, if you've got little kids, there's a, there's a process of teaching them how to ask. Because when they're little, they're like, I want apple. And you're like, now, <clears throat> how do we say that? Like, is that the right way to say that? You let them get away for a while and then they get bigger and hopefully you create a relationship in this context where they know you have an apple. You know you have an apple and you want to give them the apple. I know it seems so basic, but the, the attitude, faith, that we ask with is crucial. Our God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. And by the way, this is a Protestant issue and a Western issue. Often we read dead and alive here and we read it literalistically. But Jesus and the Hebrews never use this literalistically. When he talked the parable of the prodigal son, the, the father was like, he was lost, he was dead, and he was lost. But now he's alive, he's found. Deadness here is a relational term. And you know that. We still use it in English language and we see it in every language. You are dead to me. But in Christ, you're not dead to me, man. I I love you, Papa. You just happen to sit on the front row. This is why no one sits on front rows. They're like, you either get spat on or picked on. Like, um, Like, 
Papa actually asked whether we could catch up. And I said, yeah, 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 I'd love to catch up. He's moving to Goulburn. Um, what a man. Um, now he's going to have one of these, like, on the weekend we did, uh, what was it, invitation challenge dynamic. And he's probably going to have one of those challenge moments. Josh, I would prefer if you would not pick on me in front of everyone. I feel like you demean my identity. No, you don't. I, I pick on him. It's, it's a bit of a blue cosmetic. It's a bit of a blue-collar Aussie thing, isn't it? I love you. How do I bag you out? It doesn't work in Turkish culture, by the way. I tried. <sighs> um, you'll notice that Turkey's pretty much had wars with everyone around them, so you don't want to start anything. I love you. You're the best person. You cook the best food. That's the way you make uh, friends in Turkey. This was not cooked by the Greeks, I swear. If you want a friend, a Turkish friend, don't do it. But you say the word Greek yogurt. Do you know the word yogurt? I'll give something for the. Is actually yurts. It's Turkish. Now I'm not suggesting, by the way, to my Greek brethren, if you're here, that it's Turkish. I'm just saying it's complex. It's by grace you have been saved, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything He's done. And God raised us up with Christ, and hear this, this is my point. This is actually the point. He raised us up with Christ and uh, with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has taken us by His grace because He's rich in mercy, and He's like, "Hey, come here, Papa. Sorry, dude. Don't break the thing. You're the man. Sit with me. You've got a place, and it's not at the distance in the crowd. It's seated with Him. See, sometimes we're like, oh, if I get to heaven, and if only I'm at the back of the crowd, and I think John Wesley and uh, Whitfield talked about this, if I'm at the back of the crowd, it will be enough. No. No, he said he's, we're seated with Him. With Him. This is not about, oh, well, some people are better saints. When we're going to get to heaven, at least I'll get a potty in heaven. I know Billy Graham's going to have a mansion, but I'll have an outback dunny and it'll do. No, we're seated with him. He's called us to dwell with him now because he came to dwell with us now. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, in Jesus, in the incarnation, with us through the Spirit. He has placed us in heavenly realms. It's not He will place us. He has placed us. But you are a chosen people. You know, just before this in First Peter 2, chapter 9, it talks about all these people that essentially have given themselves over to the flesh. And I, I actually, I've talked about this before. This even motivates the name of Divergent. Uh, if you're new to Divergent or you've been around for a while, and Divergent's a little bit of a weird name, is, isn't it? Like, I remember actually suggesting it to our team uh, a year or a year and a half before we changed. We were Life City Church, and Life City Church is like super middle of the road. Like, you could be anything. Like, no, it was a great name, great name to be. But the more in my spirit I was, <laughs> had this 
nearly sense of frustration. We are not called to be middle of the road. We are not called to live it safe. We are not called to find our identity and our acceptance in the world. We are called to be those who are unashamed of the gospel of his name. That they will hate us, don't worry. But let's make sure that it's because we are seated with him. That his authority is the one that rules over us. That his sovereignty is our definition. But you are a chosen people, a royal, peop- a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. God's special possession. You don't mind just jumping up, Bethany. I want you to hear this again. But you. We have to become a but you people. Not because we're striving to be good people, but because we're placed in heavenly realms already. Because the Lord God is with you. You know, there's people around you and some will be unbelievers and it's understandable that unbelievers will live like unbelievers. I dislike when Christians get frustrated with non-Christians living like non-Christians. I'm like, what do you think? Like, but you, we're but you people. We should be a divergent people. We should be a people that people are like, yeah, but the world says, and we're like, I don't want to sound offensive, but I don't care. I know know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He's not just a judge in a departed sense, but He's a King who loved us so much that He would dwell with us, that we might dwell with Him. And I do want you this morning, this is a corporate term, but within the corporate is you. But you are a chosen people. When God chose people, it's or chose a people, it's interesting really that the terms used and the context used is a people chosen not just for himself, but more importantly, actually, to be a light unto the nations. Israel, it doesn't take long after Exodus 6 to realize that the chosen people of God, he was very willing to make unchosen. Very willing even to levels that actually sort of scares us, particularly because now we view the Old Testament through Jesus, and we're like, that's really mean. And do you know the reason we have a problem with the Old Testament at times? Jesus. It's actually because Jesus came, He revolutionized everything, but God still has the same expectation on the people that He chose. He's called us to be a separated people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And I tell you, Jesus says that you are Peter, in talking to Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, my ecclesia. And the, the Greek Jewish, the Greek speaking Jew who would be listening to this would know that in Deuteronomy 18, 16, the same word is used of Israel gathering. The ecclesia of Israel, the the just normal uh, Greek pagan who would hear this would know that Ecclesia was in reference to civil authority gathering in the States. Jesus has a my church. It's a distinct community. It's based around a distinct claim that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, and centered on a distinct event, the death and resurrection of Jesus for a distinct purpose. But you are a chosen people. A people chosen to be with Him, a a people chosen to walk 
uh, before him. Israel was chosen in the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are told in Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 8, they were chosen by virtue of birth. They were born, and so they were Israel. We are chosen, Ephesians 2 tells us, Ephesians 1, in Christ by virtue of new birth. For he, Ephesians 1, 4 tells us, chose us, the church, as different from Israel, in him, Jesus, in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Just as Abraham was the center of God's choice of Israel, Jesus is the center of the Father's choice, not you and me. And it's important to catch this because I actually think this plays around even with our emotions and psychology at times. When we think this is about me, even positively, it will crush us when life goes negatively. Like, people will use some of these texts and they will use them, I think, incorrectly. And I mean, they use them well-meaningly. It's a bit of a youth pastor-y vibe. God loved you before the foundations of the earth and he made you perfect in his sight and you are perfect except it's not it's not really true like I know some people are like what do you mean it's not true I mean he chose you the people of God in Christ and so if you come into Christ you are part of you same with Israel like most people read over the fact that, for instance, Caleb was an Edomite, like the dude that was next to Joshua. He wasn't an Israelite. He had become part of you, Israel, because he came in by faith. And Paul makes this clear in Romans 9 when he says, not all Israel is Israel. And you go to verse 31. If you want the explanation of Romans 9 correctly, go to verse 31, get the conclusion. It says, for some tried to live it by works, not by faith. The conclusion of Romans 9 is faith, where we come into the promises of God. We take on a new identity, and He dwells with us as we dwell with Him. But you are a royal priest who are the people that stand before the King. But you are chosen in Him. Uh, Ephesians 3.12 says, in Him, through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hagios, a holy nation, a set-apart nation. This is seen in a little bit more detail in 1 Corinthians 1-2 where it says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified or set apart in Christ Jesus, note that again, in Christ, and called to be His holy people together with all those who call on the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, their Lord and ours. But you are God's special possession. So often we desire to be like the world to be accepted by those in it. Anyone want to be accepted? I, I, no, I mean, I do. I mean, as much as, as much as some people might like, this dude just rages, rants. I sort of get, you ever have those moments where people are like, nah. I actually had someone unfriend me on Facebook. Like, I'm like, this sounds really pathetic, doesn't it? It shows you how much, how fragile you can still be. And I'm like, I didn't say anything that offensive, did I? And it's sort of like, I was a bit sad. 
Now, I did go, by the way, go past my other Facebook post to check to see if I still agreed with the tone and the text. But we all desire acceptance, and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is the place of the acceptance we seek. He chose us that you may declare the praises of him who called you out from darkness and into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are called to be a different people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a treasured possession. Why? That we might leave slavery and worship Him at the mountain. That we might leave slavery and worship Him in the wilderness. That we might leave slavery and walk into the promises when the world is against us and yet at the center of everything we do is the dwelling of God. You know, I don't know what's before you in 2023, but I know this. I know the one who is with you. The only question is, will you be with him? Over the next couple of weeks, um, it's the first time we've ever done this, uh, where we're going to venture together as divergent families uh, across uh, Canberra and Talong and Port Macquarie and Brisbane and Izmir. We've never done this. We're a bit of a like decentralized sort of vibe, of course, but I, I, I really feel that there's power at times in coming and going, come on, let's bring what God has put on our hearts and let's walk together in this. If we aren't dwelling in Him, we will crumble, we will crumble before the world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're good. And Lord, right now, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that sometimes we know intellectually you're with us. We even speak the truth, but sometimes we struggle with the sense that you're not. Sometimes it feels like David's Psalms, where he's like, we have been slaughtered day and night. It's not working, God. I prayed the prayers, but they are, they're not working. But Lord, I just pray right now, as much as we know this to be true intellectually, also pray that right now, in this place, in this space, when we're together, that we would know, that we would know that you are with us. And right now, I just pray for a touch of your spirit in this moment. That we would pray in faith, that we would lean in in faith, reaching out to you, Lord, for healing, Lord, for restoration, for broken hearts to be mended, for, for offense to be released, for people to step into everything you have called them to. That today, people would know that they are a royal priesthood so they can walk like princes, that they can walk like princes, that they can walk like those of royal heritage, knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords is their papa. Lord, we, I, I just pray this morning that people would hear 
and they would know that they are your treasured, adored, loved, desired, and sought after one. Lord, I, I know that only a spirit can do this. So we want to acknowledge your presence right now. We just want to acknowledge your presence right now with us. And Lord, we choose to dwell with you. To dwell with you. To be with you as you are with us. going to give him room to move this morning. You just need to close your eyes and just just wait on him. There's no need to strive. He's not hiding.
dwell with Him. As it dwell with Him. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. I want to dwell with Him. As it dwell with Him. I want to know you, dwell with as it dwell with I want to know you Lord we know that you are with us we can intellectualize this we can confess the truth and the truth is you are with us but all too often, we work, we walk as, as if you're not. Lord, we plan and we scheme and we dream and we build and we make. And we just get into the groove without living that reality. And so, Lord, as we, we venture, Lord, as a people that dwell with you, but also dwell together in the unity of that. We pray that we would be a people that would truly be a light to the nations, that we would be a city on a hill, Lord, in this city and in this region, and Lord, in Port Macquarie and Talong and Cooma, Lord, uh, Lord, we, we pray that we would, your church would be a city on a hill that is a light because at the heart of that city is the light of the world. Lord, we pray that as we walk into our workplaces, Lord, as we walk into our universities, there would be something different about us. Lord, that people would rub up against us in that sense and they would know that they have come into contact with a person of the very kingdom of God that there would be confusion at times because, Lord, you work in amazing ways that confuse us, that break our understandings and our ideas. But, Lord, let this be about you. Lord, not striving in ourselves, but striving in that sense from everything you've done in us. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to dwell in you. Lord, as you dwell. Lord, in us, Lord, through us. chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
and a holy nation. God's special position, a possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God is good, amen. And sometimes we need to confess just that simple reality. That he's good, that you're his, and that you're treasured. And I encourage you, dwelling in him is not a moment in a meeting, but it is our mode of life. So at some point, we're going to leave this building, of course. And I am so grateful for our musicians. And I do believe, by the way, that God has created music that does engage us in such a way that we are more open. But at some point, the music is not going to be playing in the background. And some boss is going to be chatting in your ear. And you'd be like, oh, God has departed from me. You're going to have a fight with your wife or your husband or your friend, and you're like, oh, the Lord, where have you gone? I've been there. Do you know what? Can I? When we went to Turkey, Ange and I had the worst nine months of our marriage. It was not good. I mean, we were intimidated. We were out of place. We had lost, like, I mean... I knew my place here, but then I felt like a moron. I felt like I had all this stuff to say, and all I could say is, Merhaba, Benham, Adam, Josh, Bukadar, Bittim. I speak better now, but, you know, restoration, and I, nothing was wrong, by the way. You know, sometimes we think there's something, you're doing something wrong. It was actually about finding our place back in Christ, not in what we were doing, and not even in another Christian book to read. God, I get sick of books from, I don't know, there's always another book to show you why the thing you're doing isn't working. When really, and this is what happened, we slowed we paused and we focused on the Spirit again and we're like, just a second, we're enough. We are His special possession. And can I tell you now, actually, we have the best marriage we've ever had right now. And life at times right now sucks. I'm not, I'm not saying that to try and draw sympathy. I'm saying, man, we've got some challenges on our hands. And yet... We're like, no, no, God is with us. God is for us. We're not alone. God has called us. We're his special possession. And I say this a little bit to say, if you're walking through the valley and you don't feel like he's there, keep on walking. And if you have somebody that's speaking in your ear and you had this in Exodus um, 11 and in Exodus 16 where you sometimes get people and they're well-meaning and they're like, it was better in Egypt, said Korah. And you're like, no, he's not wrong. It's so much better. And people will tempt us to take a journey back to slavery. Keep on walking. Walk with the people of God. Walk where the presence of God is. 
and trust me in this. You will come out the other end at some point. You will cross the Jordan as such. And even though there are more giants to kill and there are more cities to defeat, you will know that you are right in the place, the place of his presence where you're called to be. So keep on walking. Amen. I'll hand over Kate, otherwise I'll never shut up.